Welcome to the St. Matt's Podcast, where you can listen to sermons from our service. This Bible reading this morning comes from Paul's letter to the Ephesians, chapter 3. I'm reading from verses 2 to 6, Ephesians 3, verses 2 to 6. Surely you have heard about the administration of God's grace that was given to me for you. That is the mystery made known to me by revelation, as I have written briefly. In reading this, then, you will be able to understand my insight into the mystery of Christ, which was not made known to people of other generations as it has now been revealed by the Spirit to God's holy apostles and prophets. This mystery is that through the gospel the Gentiles are heirs together with Israel, members together of one body and sharers together in the promise in Christ Jesus. This is the word of the Lord. Family life is full of twists and turns. It can be unbelievable in all of its joys It can very quickly become unpredictable and sadly at times family life is just unavoidable. And we've seen all those things in the book of Ruth over the last couple of weeks. We've noticed how in ordinary places God unleashes his extraordinary grace. And today we'll see how in the ordinary place of family God unleashes extraordinary grace. Last week we left Ruth and Naomi waiting to see how things unfolded with the marriage proposal while Boaz was heading into town, determined to resolve the matter with a closer family member. Let's hear what happened when Boaz gets to town. Meanwhile, Boaz went up to the town gate and sat down there just as the guardian redeemer he had mentioned came along. Boaz said, come over here, my friend, and sit down. So he went over and sat down. Boaz took ten of the elders of the town and said, sit here. And they did so. Then he said to the guardian redeemer, Naomi, who has come back from Moab, is selling the piece of land that belonged to our relative Elimelech. I thought I should bring the matter to your attention and suggest that you buy it in the presence of those seated here and the presence of the elders of my people. If you will redeem it, do so. But if you will not, tell me so that I will know. For no one has the right to do it except you, and I am next in line. I will redeem it, he said. Then Boaz said, On the day that you buy the land from Naomi, you will also acquire Ruth the Moabite, the dead man's widow, in order to maintain the name of the dead with his property. At this the guardian redeemer said, Then I cannot redeem it because I might endanger my own estate. You redeem it yourself. I cannot do it. Now in earlier times in Israel, for the redemption and transfer of property to become final, one party took off his sandal and gave it to the other. This was the method of legalizing transactions in Israel. So the guardian redeemer said to Boaz, Buy it yourself. 
and he removed his sandal. Then Boaz announced to the elders and all the people, Today you are witnesses that I have brought from Naomi all the property of Elimelech, Kilion, and Marlon. I have also acquired Ruth the Moabite, Marlon's widow, as my wife, in order to maintain the name of the dead with his property, so that his name will not disappear from among his family or from his hometown. Today you are witnesses. Then the elders and all the people at the gate said, We are witnesses. May the Lord make the woman who is coming into your home like Rachel and Leah, who together built up the family of Israel. May you have standing in Ephrathah and be famous in Bethlehem. Through the offspring the Lord gives you by this young woman, may your family be like that of Perez, whom Tamar brought to Judah. Well, we're told Boaz arrives at the town gate just as the other guardian redeemer shows up. An indicator not of coincidence, but of what some call God incidents, God acting in the ordinary. Boaz meets the closer redeemer who initially agrees to redeem the land of Elimelech and obtain from it financial profit that would go with that. But once he discovers that the land... Uh, Along with the land also comes the responsibility for Ruth. He backs out quick smart. In stark contrast to what we've seen with Boaz, the closer redeemer cares more for himself and cares little for the vulnerability of Ruth. He is not prepared to pay the price of redemption. The ten elders of the town that Boaz gathers not only witness the conversation but approve of the outcome. And that's very significant because it means that Ruth, the Moabites, is given full inclusion into the nation of Israel with the elders and the community at the gate proclaiming a blessing upon Boaz, Ruth and Naomi. In many senses, the best blessing that they proclaim is probably a very ordinary blessing, though the introduction of the family line back to Judah alerts us that we're about to see God unleash extraordinary grace. Listen to the next part of the story. So Boaz took Ruth and she became his wife. When he made love to her, the Lord enabled her to conceive and she gave birth to a son. The woman said to Naomi, Praise be to the Lord, who this day has not left you without a guardian redeemer. May he become famous throughout all Israel. He will renew your life and sustain you in your old age. For your daughter-in-law who loves you and who is better to you than seven sons has given him birth. Then Naomi took the child in her arms and cared for him. The woman living there said, Naomi has a son, and they named him Obed. He was the father of Jesse, the father of David. Well, the much-anticipated wedding of Boaz and Ruth comes to pass. And here we see the Lord acting directly for just the second time in this book, this time enabling Ruth to conceive. That tells us that this part of the detail is really important. Ruth gives birth to a son and we discover that this son is part of God's explicit action to redeem and bless 
not just this family but to bless Israel through a greater son, David, and ultimately, we know, to redeem and bless the world through an even greater son, Jesus. First though, the women in the context see this birth as blessing for Naomi, praising God and declaring, interestingly, Naomi has a son. Where there was death and emptiness for Naomi, life and fullness have returned and it's all a result or resulting from Ruth's hesed love in verse 15. Now, it may be hard for us to conceive but in those times, seven sons along with three daughters was seen as the ideal family. Ruth's love is greater than what seven sons could provide because Ruth's love was the love of God, the Hesed love. She loved the Lord her God with all her heart and with all her soul and with all her strength. And we've seen her love her neighbour as herself. She fulfilled what it was to be an Israelite. And we've seen God unleash his extraordinary grace through such love shown in ordinary family life. But the birth also points us to a greater son, Ruth's great-grandson, King David, the King of Israel. And this takes us from a place at the beginning of the book of Ruth where Israel had no king. It bypasses Israel's chosen king, that is King Saul, and it takes us to a place where God's anointed king is in place. See, God knew that the Israelites would take matters into their own hands with the king and he was already at work unleashing his extraordinary grace, raising up King David. But as I mentioned a moment ago, it points us even further than David. Every chapter in the story of Ruth, every scene, four chapters, four scenes, has the word hesed except this final scene, not in chapter 4. And so as you read the book and see that significant word, you get to the last scene and you wonder where it is. Why no hesed here? The Old Testament reader perhaps sees God's hesed in King David and we see God's hesed unleashed in God's greater plan to himself become king of his people in the person of Jesus. Jesus, born in Bethlehem, the same town that this story is focused on, to an ordinary couple not yet married. A couple who, despite the gossip and cultural shame, trusted God with their family. A couple who saw God unleash extraordinary grace. Jesus, shunned by his own, stripped of all he had, hung on a cross of shame and paid the redemption price, made the redemption sacrifice. In Jesus, God unleashes his extraordinary hesed, his grace on a broken and sin-filled world. As a result of Jesus' death on the cross, None need to be outcasts. Inclusion in the family of God is open to any who respond to Jesus. 
1 John chapter 3 verse 1 says, See what great love the Father has lavished on us that we should be called children of God and that is what we are. Jesus is the greater Boaz who brings hope from despair and fullness to those who hunger. Ruth's marriage to Boaz gave her and Naomi confidence and security but we have more reason for hope in confidence and security. Romans 8 verse 38 and 39 tells us that because of what Jesus did on the cross, neither death nor life, neither angels nor demons, neither the present nor the future, nor any powers, neither height nor depth, nor anything else in all creation can separate us from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus. We have the hope of Christ. Our ordinary lives are transformed by his extraordinary grace. But the story of Ruth has not finished yet. There's one final bit. Let's listen to it. This then is the family line of Perez. Perez was the father of Hezron. Hezron, the father of Ram. Ram, the father of Aminadab. Aminadab, the father of Nashon. Nashon was the father of Salmon. Salmon, the father of Boaz. Boaz, the father of Obed. Obed, the father of Jesse. And Jesse, the father of David. A genealogy to finish up, but we already know that David is going to come from this line. So what's the point of this? Let me just try and briefly tie up and encourage you as we live in the ordinariness of family life. Twice in chapter 4 we're introduced to Boaz's ancestor Perez. Verse 12 tells us his mother is Tamar and his father Judah. That's true, but it's not quite as simple as what the story of Ruth tends to make it out. Tamar was a Canaanite, another outsider. Her husband, one of Judah's sons, had died and rather than have another one of his sons fulfil the obligation under law to marry Tamar and provide her with a son, Judah shirked responsibility and sent her back to her parents. So Tamar took matters into her own hands, deceiving Judah by making him think that she was a prostitute, having sex with him and then conceiving Perez. A cloud of immorality and deception sits in Boaz's line. Now we also know that Ruth is a Moabite, descending surprisingly from a guy called Moab. He's the son of Lot, Abraham's brother. What is known to the original reader but may not be known to us is that Lot's older daughter took matters into her own hands as well. Without children, she got her father drunk, slept with him and conceived Moab. A cloud of immorality and deception hangs over Ruth's family as well. Last week I asserted that there was no sex on the threshing room floor. 
Rather than take matters into their own hands, Boaz and Ruth trusted God. They lived faithfully in the ordinary. They waited for the Lord. And God redeemed their ordinary family lines using both of them, Ruth and Boaz, in the lineage not just of David but of Jesus. We are all parts of families. Sometimes those families are amazing. Other times they're ordinary, broken. But thanks to the extraordinary grace of God, they are never beyond redemption. Whatever your family looks like, the point of this story isn't that if you act faithfully, get married and we'll have amazing descendants. The point of the story is that God works through his ordinary faithful people, even in the hardest of families, to unleash his extraordinary grace. One arrangement of the Old Testament puts the book of Ruth right after the book of Proverbs. In that setting, it answers the question of Proverbs 31 verse 10, a wife of noble character, who can find? And it answers it with this beautiful story of Ruth, a noble woman. It makes the case for the book of Ruth as wisdom. And in many ways, Ruth can be summed up by another proverb. Proverb chapter 3, verse 5 and 6, you may know it. Trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not on your own understanding. In all your ways submit to him and he will make your path straight. Rather than take matters into our own hands, we're encouraged to live faithfully in the ordinary, trusting God's hesed in the ordinary. We can't control outcomes in our family life. But you can choose what inputs you want to put into the next stage of family life. I know many of you have great amounts of joy in families and I know many of you also live with incredible sadness as you look at your families. For some of you, you've watched children walk away from the Lord For others of you, you've had marriages that ended way differently to what you thought. Sometimes you watch grandchildren make decisions that seem foolish and your heart aches. Sometimes you might feel bitter. Sometimes you despair. What do you do when you feel like that? What do you do when you look with such concern. The book of Ruth reminds us to pour out our bitterness to God, to lament to him, to look to him, to release our agony to him. But it also encourages us not to despair. The steadfast love of the Lord never ceases. His mercies never come to an end. Who would have thought at the start of the story that the Moabites Ruth would be written into not just the nation of Israel 
but the lineage of Jesus. Who would have thought that the child Obed would have such great descendants? The stories of your children and grandchildren have not yet finished. Our family stories still are written. God's grace still abounds. God remains faithful to his promise. You can trust your family to him. You can't control the outcomes, but you can control what you put in. Be faithful. Be kind in your interactions with family and trust that God's kindness might be unleashed on them. Well, we have now come to the end of Ruth's story. But our stories are not yet finished. We write them day by day with a bunch of ordinary choices. More importantly, God is writing our stories day by day. God is on the side of his people. God is unleashing his hesed, his extraordinary grace. And he hasn't finished unleashing it yet. He hasn't finished with you. He hasn't finished with your family. Live faithfully in the ordinary and watch God unleash his extraordinary grace. Let me pray. Lord God, we thank you that you work in the ordinary. We thank you for the way that we've seen that in the book of Ruth. That you worked through her, through Boaz, through Naomi to bring about not just an extraordinary situation in their time, but to bring to fullness your plan for redemption of the world in Jesus. And we ask, Lord God, particularly in the ordinariness of family life, whatever our families look like, we ask that you remind us that you have not finished yet and that you help us to live faithfully in the ordinary showing your kindness, trusting that you're at work. We thank you and pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Thanks for listening to this week's sermon. St Matt's West Bend Hills Congregation is a collection of people who want to be changed by Jesus, to have a deeper connection with God, deeper community with one another, and deeper concern for our world. We'd love you to join us on a Sunday soon. For all the details, check out our website at stmats.org.au and be sure to subscribe to our podcast so you don't miss a sermon.